Hello, church family. My name is Ezra Meyer, and I will be reading the sermon text out of Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Here is the word of God. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told them, get up and go your way. Your faith has saved you. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Get a little feedback on that. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. I'm going to read that one more time. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Well, good morning, Grace Church. I'm Jonathan Fast. I'm one of the elders here. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, um, this week of Thanksgiving. Shall we start out with prayer, please? God, uh, I think of everybody here this morning and those watching at home, those can't be here. And our hearts are turned toward you, God. Our hearts are turned toward you. We assemble here to encourage one another to worship you because you're worthy of worship. Would you receive our worship this morning, our thanks, our appreciation, and would you bless this service and everyone here today and bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is, as, as Pastor Matthew said, it's a season of, of hope and joy and anticipation and I didn't want to get through this week without just going straight to Christmas, right? I mean, it's like ha- there's Halloween and the kids, and then sometimes our, our, the gears of our mind go right toward, um, toward Christmas. Some of you might have even decorated your homes already. I don't know if that's true, but some, some people get really excited shopping and just the busyness of it. But as our forefathers in this country recognize it's so important to slow down to the stop and to give thanks and so what this that is what this week is about and that is what this message is about um so let's go let's go right to it shall we into luke chapter 17 thank you ezra for reading the word of god while traveling to jerusalem he passed between samaria and galilee he being jesus now, you're probably a little bit familiar with the Samaritans, right? 
you've probably heard that, that term before, that, that, that phrase, that people group. And you can just shout out, but what's, what's one story you know about the Samaritans? The woman at the well, right? That's a very familiar one. The woman at the well. Um, and there, there's, it's mentioned many times uh, throughout the Bible. Another one would be like the Good Samaritan, right, in Luke chapter 10. And we heard these stories, and there's a big emphasis on it. So I want to take a, a, a couple of moments and really describe what that really means in the context of this passage and in the context of many other passages in the Bible. So first, the geography of it. So this, if you'll kind of bear with me, you guys are, pretend you're standing on what is, in what is modern-day Jordan, okay? So you're standing on the ground, and you're looking west, okay? So that piano over there would be roughly around the city, or the Sea of Galilee, right, where a lot of Jesus' ministry took place. And then down here on this end of the stage, heading south, would be Jerusalem, the Dead Sea, the Jordan River would represent the bottom of these stairs, okay? And then that would be like the Negev. And then right here in the middle would be Samaria. So the only way to get from Galilee to Jerusalem and back is to go through Samaria. And you could go around it. If you, if you were to go, you'd have to go to what's, what would be called the Capitalist and Perea, and you could walk all the way down and down kind of the plateau and down the Jordan River and up. It'd be a lot longer. So... Travelers in that day would, would go through Samaria, but there was a lot of tension, as you have picked up, for, picked up on in some of the teachings. Um, today, this area would be the, the West Bank, uh, what's called the West Bank, right? The West Bank of the Jordan River. It kind of stretches out here. And, um, but it's important to understand why the, Samar- the Samaritans were looked at and they're in such a bad light, and why there was so much tension there. So, back, I'm not going to get into, like, too much history here, but back after the time of Solomon, the nation split, right? The, you had Israel in the north and Judah in the south, and there was a tension, and, and um, what became Samaria, those people intermarried with, with non-Jews. Okay, so there was a lot of um, tension with, the, with those who were fully Jew and those who weren't. And um, so that went on a while. And then the, the Babylonians came and they exiled the people in, um, in Jerusalem and they were exiled to Babylon for 70 years. Okay, but the Samaritans weren't. They, they, were, they stayed. And they continued to intermarry. They continued to worship other gods. And they even had their own holy place, which is uh, Mount Geriz- Gerizim. So kind of right in the middle there, people would pass on. And famously, uh, the woman at the well, that was um, Joseph's well. And, and um, it's a very busy spot right in there. So the, the Jews are exiled. They're, they're gone for 70 years. And then they come back, right? So you would think they're distant brethren, would be happy to see them back, right? Welcome home. No, they, they weren't. And I'm going to read from Nehemiah chapter 4. And I'm going to read just a, just a few verses here. Nehemiah chapter 4. When Sanballat heard that we, this is 
the Nehemiah here. When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, so they come back from captivity, and Jerusalem is in shambles, and they want to rebuild it. When he hears the rebuilding of the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria and said, What are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble? And then down in verse 7. When Sambalot, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashadites heard that the repair to the walls of Jerusalem was progressing and that the gaps were being closed, they became furious. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw it into confusion. Now, this is some of the backdrop, right, when, when you hear about Jesus going through Samaria and the interaction with the disciples. But it gets even more interesting than that. In Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56, Jesus had already commissioned the twelve. And he told them, it's recorded in Matthew, he told them to go out. He said, don't go into the Gentile cities. And he said, don't stop at the cities in Samaria. Like, don't go into those cities. Just stay away. And if you guys have ever traveled in national forests, a lot of times you'll be on these roads, and it'll have signs that'll say, private land, stay on the road only. You're not allowed to go into the land. And that's kind of how it was here in Samaria. Just stay on the road. Don't go into the cities. So Jesus had commissioned his disciples. And when the days, and it says, it picks up in verse 51, when the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he determined to, to journey to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of himself, and on the way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But they did not welcome him, because he determined to journey to Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them? That's a little aggressive, isn't it? I mean, they're just like starting to perform miracles, starting to heal, um, starting their ministry. And now ready, they're ready for like the nuclear bomb of, of God's wrath. Do you see why maybe Jesus didn't told them, not, like, don't go in the cities in Samaria yet? Because their hearts weren't ready. But he turned and he rebuked them, and they went to another village. So all that's the backdrop. We know a little bit more about Samaria, hopefully, than, than maybe you knew before. And you knew a lot about, you know, more about why the animosity, the, the idols and the division, and, um, and why the Samaritans were, were so looked upon. In fact, in the recording of the woman at the well, the, the woman said, um, um, where, are you gonna get, where, where do you want to get this living water? Aren't you, are you, you aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons of livestock. So there's this animosity there. Okay, so that brings us up to, to Luke chapter 17. So, while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, 
Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, can you imagine, first of all, you probably know a little bit about leprosy, right? And you know it was a pretty bad disease. And then you know that Jesus is in the area, and he's preaching, and he's teaching, he's healing people. And if you had a disease like that, and you heard he was coming, or you saw him, how would you feel? How would you react? Wouldn't you be anticipating this? You would, you would just be, you would be amazed with, with hope. So leprosy was a disease, and it still exists today. It can be treated with antibiotics, but it was, it was a disease that affected the skin and the eyes, the respiratory tract, and the nerves. So if you had it, you were physically isolated from society, um, and you're in physical turmoil. In fact, you were required by the law to wear torn clothes and not, to not wear a head covering. It had to be obvious that you were a leper so that you could maintain distance from other people and them, them from you. Furthermore, if somebody were to come close to you, you'd have to cover your mouth right here and yell out, unclean, unclean, like stay away. This is the life they live. So they're isolated, they're, they're in physical misery, then they're away from society, they're on the outskirts. So as the disciples pass in this, this area between Galilee, right into Samaria, these 10 lepers see Jesus and they call out, they call out to him. And they raise their voices. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That phrase, have mercy on us, is, you probably heard that in other parts of the Bible as well. Blind men asking God, asking Jesus, have mercy on us. The woman with her uh, daughter that was possessed. A man with his boy that had seizure. That was often the first thing that people would call out, have mercy on us. Sometimes Jesus would say, you know, what is it you want? Sometimes he would heal them. Sometimes he'd ask him questions. So he'd respond differently in every situation. So they have, they see Jesus, they call out to him, and they were bold. They were bold to say that. Um, they, they cried out to him, not knowing what he would do, but hoping. So when he saw them, he, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. So he didn't say anything. He didn't have any kind of conversation with him, right? So different than some of the other interactions Jesus had with, with people. He just gave them instruction and go show, them, go to show themselves to the priests. So immediately they went. It says while they were going, they were cleansed. So they start to walk. And as they're walking, their bodies are being transformed. The leprosy is going away. Could, could you imagine the hope you would feel? I mean, you'd be ecstatic. Like, it, it's true. It's a miracle. The things that, that they said, they're happening to me. And so they walk on. And now, why did they walk on? And, and I'd ask you, first of all, where do you see yourself in this story? Do you see yourself as the one who came back, or do you see yourself as the nine who just kept going on, or maybe a little bit of both? Well, why did they go on? So I'll give you some interesting reading if you want to do it this week. But you could read Leviticus chapter 14. It wasn't just enough that they were cleansed. That, that was good. That was for their own sake. But they were not integrated into society yet. They had to be shown and proven from the, by the priests that they were able to go back into society. Until the, until the priests authenticated that, they were still as good as leopards. 
lepers. So they had to um, go through this whole process. And it's complicated. Anybody read Leviticus last, last couple of weeks, a little while? It's been, maybe been a while. So there's a little, little Sunday school in here. So I'm just going to hit a few, few highlights. But it was a long process. They were to be examined by the priests outside of the camp. Uh, they had, there, were, there had to be two, two live birds, um, some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, hyssop. Then they had to be pronounced clean. Once the priest saw that, then they were pronounced clean. Then they had to wash and shave and bathe. Then they had to stay outside of their tent for seven days. Okay, so they're excited to get back, but it's been out seven more days. And then after seven days, then they had to shave all their hair, their beard and their eyebrows, everything. Shave everything completely off. And after the eighth day, then there could be a sacrifice with lambs and flour and olive oil. And then the priest would make atonement. So they're walking away, and they're making a beeline to wherever the priests are. Like, they're ready to get back in society. Do you see a little bit why they might not have, you know, they might have just had their own train of thought and their own track of mind? But one, but one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice gave glory to God, he fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a, a Samaritan. Why, did, why is this detailing included in this passage? We, we used to, um, it's funny, when I was growing up, I'm going to reference Christmas again. Matthew, you opened that can of worms this morning. <laughs> Christmas morning, my, my dad would, would read from the Nativity passage in, in Luke. And so I continue that tradition of with our family, and then one year we read this passage, this, this Luke 17 passage, because we wanted, to, we wanted Christmas morning to be about gratitude and not just the, the normal things and the fun of the presents and all of that. And the challenge was to be the one, to be the one that would go back, to be the one that would pause. But he did more than that. He, with a loud voice, gave glory to God, and he fell face down, thanking him. I mean, could, can you imagine the jubilation coming from him? Then Jesus asked a question. Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Does this remind you of another question in the Bible anywhere? Maybe Cain and Abel and other times? I mean, Jesus knows the answer, but he's asking this question kind of rhetorically. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. So this story and this week is about taking the pause. And Thanksgiving isn't just a feeling, right? It's not just, oh, I feel really good. Whatever I prayed for or whatever I wanted happened to me. It's a sacrifice. He left the journey to the priest and he came back. It's a sacrifice of time. It's a sacrifice of words. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of the heart. 
And that's what he did. Now, this is missions week. Missions month. And there's more to this story that we're going to hear from in a second here. So, this whole time, hopefully I painted a picture of the animosity that the, the Jews and the Samaritans had toward one another. It was deep. Also, how Jesus was starting to plant the seeds to change that. He was, he was laying the groundwork. He did it with the woman at the well. He did it by telling the story of the Good Samaritan, where the, the Good Samaritan helped the, the injured person, the guy that was mugged on the side of the road, and it was the Good Samaritan that helped bring him back to life and back to health. He's starting to plant these seeds. And a couple of his disciples are like, should we just destroy Samaria? He's like, oh, hold off on that. Now we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 8. We're going to fast forward. Christ has been crucified. The early church is starting. And Saul, who has been tormenting the early church, has just seen Stephen stoned to death. The first martyr. Stephen dies for his faith. He tells the story. He recounts the history of of Israel. And he he preaches to them. And they resist the Holy Spirit. And he said, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. They stone him and pick up and... Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul agreed with putting him to death. And on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. So these seeds that have been planted with the woman at the well, with the healing of the leper, among other things, and the stories, started to, started to loosen up that soil in Samaria started to, to help turn that ground fertile. And then it took one persecution and Saul and everybody starts to scatter. And now the believers are mixed up in all these areas, in Galilee and Samaria. Jumping up to verse 4. So those who were scattered went on their way, preaching the word. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. So now, we, earlier we couldn't go into these cities. Now Philip is bold, and he's going, he's proclaiming the disciple. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said, and they listened and saw the signs he was performing. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and the lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Then skip up to verse 14. When the, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The big guns. <laughs> we're ready now. This, this division in this land that was so bitter and tense for so many years, the power of Christ was breaking it open. And the gospel message was spreading. After they went down there, they prayed for them so the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit because he had not yet come down on any of them. 
They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now back to our first verse we started with in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in its numbers. Two things from, from the message today. There's just two things. It's not a go-do list or anything like that. The two things I'd like you to contemplate. Psalm 116, verse 17. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. And we saw that with the one leper who returned, the Samaritan. Offered the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Humbled himself at Jesus' feet cried out, worshiping him. So thanksgiving is not, thanksgiving is a sacrifice, not just a feeling. So the encouragement would be to be the one. To be the one leper that comes back. And how do we do that? One, one way is through prayer. Prayers of thanksgiving. Calling out to God. Worship. Praise. Journaling. My wife, Rachel, years ago started this blessings book and we have it in our home and it's just a small spiral notebook she's really good about writing in it and when God answers prayer she writes it down or somebody in our household writes those blessings down as a sacrifice to God of sacrifice of thanksgiving of saying thank you God there's many ways to do that another way is um, as an act as an act of um, appreciation, and then going out and serving or giving to others, or even a memorial. One thing we did when we, when we built our house is we made the fireplace out of stones from, from the yard. It's, it's Colorado. It was really hard to find stones, but we <laughs> were able to do it. But every time we look at that fireplace and we, we committed that to God and, and thanked him for giving us that, that place and that house, there's many ways to do that. So that's the first one. Be the one. Offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Number two. And I'm going to ask the worship team if you guys will come up, please. Number two, while performing this miracle of healing these lepers, Jesus was showing us how to live, and he was preparing the way for his church. And this is something that only Christ can do. The same tensions in the world that were back there, back then, they still exist today. We can see them in even real time. But... God was able to use a woman at a well and a story about a Samaritan and a leper and other things to fertilize that soil. And if God can do that to where we saw, then it took one persecution to scatter the church. And the church went out into the world. And now the world's becoming believers because there's one hope in this world, and that is Jesus Christ. It is not in a politician. 
it is not in a government system. It's not in a weapon. It's not in our best philosophies. It is in Christ and Christ alone. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, that you would do the same things in our lives during our time, that we would see your faithfulness. May we go with the boldness that you've already gone before us and you've prepared the way. May we be faithful to bring the good news, to proclaim your faithfulness with boldness, Lord, and to bring people to Jesus Christ so that you may be worshiped, your church unified, peaceful, and growing. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.